you would, pray with me. Father, thank you so much for an opportunity to be here and surrender ourselves to you. We are about to open up the scriptures, and we are about to hear them read, and we are about to hear a message from them, not from us to us, to help us, but from you to bring life to us and healing and victory. So Lord, I pray right now that you would prepare our hearts and give us a soft, pliable spirit so that we are ready to be confronted by your word. We're ready to be humbled. And then we are ready to to be transformed by it into strong, empowered children of God who bring life to those around them and who never shrink back from any challenge that is before us. You are a good and powerful God. May we be faithful to accurately be the children that you've empowered us to be by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to invite Katie to come forward and read tonight's scripture from Romans chapter 8. If you would like to join her there, you can open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. A reading from the New Testament letter of Romans eight thirty-five through 37. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. This is the word of the Lord. Sometimes I, I feel very weak, spiritually, spiritually just weak. For example, I went to Costco yesterday because that's what every good person does on Saturday is you go to Costco. And I, all I wanted to get was some steaks, but I realized while I was there I had to get some, some side dishes as well. We wanted to celebrate yesterday and because the sunshine was out. Aren't you glad the sunshine is out today? It's a beautiful day. Um, I would have you clap, but that would be awkward. Save it for later. Um, so uh, I went to Costco, and as I was there, I, I picked up a few other things, and it was really crowded. So I go, and the lines are just absurd. They're going up the aisles. And so I find one, and I get into it, and I'm working my way up. And the aisles um, go toward the register, and then there's another aisle that goes sideways. And so you need to leave a gap so people can go you know, around the store. So I was leaving a gap. And a guy came up, just a single guy, just no card or anything, and sat and got in line. And I was like, you know what? I'd been praying through this chapter and you know, sermon and stuff already. And I was like, you know what? I'm just, it doesn't matter. It's just one guy, right? And he's probably just getting movie tickets or something. So I was like, I'm not going to say anything. So uh, when it starts to move up, I move up. And he, he turns around and he, 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 he gives me a look like, what are you doing crowding me? And I'm like, I'm not crowding you, first of all. But it, the look bothered me. The next thing I notice is... Two carts come in, and they get in there with him. And I'm like, well, what are you doing? And he's like, I was here. They're with me. I'm like, 
No, actually, you got you cut in front of me, and and there was just you, and now there's two carts coming in, big carts. I'm talking about full, like Costco size stuff. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, no, we, I was here, I was here. I was like, well, actually, the line was was way back there. See all those people right there? And uh, he's like, no, I was here. I was like, all right, I'm just let I just let it go. And I started to to stew on that, and I'm like, it really it really bothers me. And so then I started realizing, all right, you're your pastor. You probably shouldn't like say anything bad to him. Um, people might find out. And uh, I don't know. Was, there are other reasons, too. I shouldn't do it. But I was, uh, so I didn't say anything to him. But oh, actually, I did say something else. Anyway, this whole narrative was going through my, uh, my, my mind. I'm like, I should say something, but I don't want to say something because I felt angry. I didn't want to speak angrily to him. So anyway, God healed the anger. I had victory over that. And I thought, I can still say something to him now. So I did, not in anger. I said, well, you realize what you did was, was rude, right? You know, you cut in line. And I expected him just to say, oh, sorry. But he didn't even do that. He's like, no, I was here first. I'm like, all right. And so I just dropped it. And so I just, it was a long line still in front of him. So anyway, long story short, I stay in line behind him. He finally check, starts checking out two carts, right? Two, two different orders. And he, he starts questioning the price on stuff. <laughs> Come on, dude, just accept the price and go. Costco never makes mistakes. And so uh, he just, he just he, this and that, like three times on the first order, and the second order came through, the same thing. And I'm like, this is just not going to ever end. And the people I was in front of when the line split, they were already out the door. And I'm like, I chose the wrong line. I, I was too nice. I should have just told him to get out of the line. Uh, anyway. And I realized over the course of that, a lot of things. Number one, I'm not as nice of a person as I thought I was. Uh, number two, I worry a lot about what people think about me because a lot of my motivation for not saying something to him was what others might think of me if they found out who I was. Anyway, just a lot of things. I know I, typically men don't say a lot, but we do think a lot, you know, sometimes. Sometimes. Um, and so, but I, but I realized how weak my faith is sometimes. And, and, uh, and I see it in other people easier than I see it within me. But we as Americans are very weak in our understanding. We feel like we endure persecution when we not. And our idea of persecution and suffering is if people say something bad about us. That's not persecution. You know, we're easily offended. We're so soft and, uh, and, and weak in our, in our faith. And, and, I, and I realized, man... I, this really shouldn't bother me as much as it, as it does. And it, and it didn't. I, I, was, I was victorious over it. I handled it well, uh, even though I had this inner war within me. Um, and, and it just stirred me to think a lot. What, what if I had to really endure persecution? I mean, that was nothing, and, and, it, and it was irritating me a lot. And the guy was rude, so it was wrong. I'm not dismissing that. But we take things to the next level. It seems like we like to invent stuff to get upset about. If we're not upset about something, then we, we look for something at times. Paul is writing in this letter, and he's writing to a group of Christians who are going through difficult times. Not Costco-type stuff that we need to, you know, you need to smile and let people go through. Like, yeah, you should, but come on, let's move on to bigger things. He's talking to people who are in Rome, and they are facing the type of persecution where if they don't bow down and worship Caesar as Lord... They're going to face real tribulation, real suffering, real persecution, possibly death. Not getting fired from a job, not being looked over or passed over from promotion because you're 
of faith in Christ, but real tribulation. And he's writing to them, and he's almost excited as he talks about these things. This, this whole chapter, we've gone verse by verse through Romans chapter 8, and we're towards the end of it. Next week we finish it. And it's been building uh, to this climax here in the story. And he's talking about this, and he's saying, who's going to separate from the love of, of us from the love of Christ? And then he starts this list of things. And so we're going to see today very clearly that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. But in order for us to, to really believe that and to have it impact our lives to the point where we move past Costco-type suffering and we move on to taking bold steps of faith to where we realize I am willingly going to put myself on the line and, and if people persecute me before my faith... Let it be. Let it be so. Because I'm going to stand for God's word. But in order for us to understand that the love of Christ cannot be separated from us, we need to understand that bad things happen to good people. We need to understand that we need to complain to God and not to people. And we need to understand that in all sufferings, we are more than victorious. Those are the three things we're going to look at tonight. Number one if you want to take notes, would be this. Bad things happen to good people. It is what it is. Bad things happen to good people. Paul was writing, as I mentioned earlier, to a group of Christians who lived in a very ungodly city. In fact, it was probably just a few dozen Christians that lived in this city of hundreds of thousands. It makes New York look like the Vatican by statistics. Many more Christians are here than were in Rome. They were living in a city that was filled of people who were devoted to Caesar as Lord. And so bowing down to Jesus and not worshiping Caesar would certainly lead to many sufferings of many kinds. So we're talking about, in this context tonight, when other people do bad things to us because of our faith. Not because we're a fellow shopper at Costco. We're talking about faith things. That because of, hey, I believe in Jesus Christ, and then someone persecutes us because of that faith. That's what we're talking about. And so let's look again at Romans chapter 8, verse 35. So in that setting, Paul is writing to them, and he says, Men and women of God, who will separate us from the love of God? Will the tribulation or the distress, or the persecution, or the famine, or the nakedness, or peril, or sword. Paul has this excitement that is rising, and he is marveling at the the greatness of God's love. He's saying, look at how magnificent the love of Christ is. What can separate us from this? Can this, can this, can that? Who could ever separate us? And then he follows with that list of disasters that none of those can separate us. And so the first thing we need to understand that absolutely bad things happen to good people. We live in a broken world. But nothing can separate and take away the love of Christ that we have. It's very easy at times for us to think, especially if we are living godly, that we should be rewarded with favor. But, but now we're starting to, to do a false religion. 
And we're starting to say, okay, now that I've done good, God, you owe me this. And so that's not the gospel. The gospel is anti-works. It's saying, you've done nothing good, but God is going to gift you this. That's what the gospel narrative is. The gospel narrative in four parts. We've done this before. But the first part is God created a perfect, pure, holy world in us, and we were made in his image. The second part is we sinned against God, and we rebelled against him and broke the world. We separated ourselves from God with sin. The third part is there's nothing we can do to fix it, but God chose in his goodness to send Jesus in the world to fix it. And the fourth part is through faith in what Jesus has done, not through what we have done, through faith in what Jesus has done, we are now redeemed and restored and part of God's plan to bring redemption to the entire world. Fantastic story, but that's why the gospel narrative needs to be remembered in its entirety. Because if you just focus on, I was number one, right? If you just focus on the second one where brokenness is, you're going to be depressed. But the gospel narrative brings healing down here at number four. The gospel tells us bad things happen to good people. That's the world we live in. And it's very easy for us to think that because we're doing good, we deserve good. And it's also easy for us to think that when we experience bad things, that God is punishing us because we've been bad. I'm not saying that sometimes we make sinful, dumb choices and it leads to consequences that can kill us, cause us to get sick and die, whatever. I'm not saying that that isn't true. That is true. We do face those decisions or or those uh, consequences for actions. But just because we are being persecuted or beheaded or whatever it is for our faith does not mean that we are being punished by God. Sometimes God uses horrible things that are meant for horrible reasons, and he uses them for the good of God. Does it make sense to us? Not at all, sometimes. Sometimes we can sometimes catch a glimpse of what God may be doing, and years later we can say, wow, I didn't see it at the time. I really questioned God, but I see now that God really was at work. He hadn't abandoned us. Good things came from what was meant for harm. It's not easy for us to understand, but I heard someone say, I, would, I don't know who said it, so just give me credit for it if you like it. Don't doubt your doubts. Uh, I mean, doubt your doubts, don't doubt your faith. Something like that. I, I may have missed it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> doubt your doubts, don't doubt your faith. There we go. All right. So... We're not immune to to tragedy. Bad things can happen to us. We've experienced some tragedy here in our church in the last couple of years. Bad things happen to good people, but it doesn't mean that God's love has been separated from us. Number two, complain to God, not to people. Can I get an amen? All right, we'll get a better one when I say it the next time. Many times we have questions and we have concerns about God's love for us, the difficulties that we're going through. And we want to deal with the emotions that we have. We naturally have emotions that we need to deal with. God has created us as emotional people. So emotions in and of themselves are quite healthy. Not unhealthy, but healthy. But there are healthy ways to deal with our emotions. And there are destructive ways to deal with them. Negative and destructive ways are 
a few of them are suppressing them. Just saying, I'm going to control them and just suppress them. The second one is denying them. Just, I, don't even, I don't feel that. I don't feel angry when the guy cuts me off at Costco or whatever. I just I don't feel it. So denying them is unhealthy. There's another healthy, unhealthy way is to take your frustrations and your emotions out on other people. Many times we do that to the people that we're closest to. Husbands, wives, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you go home and you feel like they're the only one you can be real with, and so you just dump it all on them. That's not healthy for you or them. Take it out on our kids. Sometimes kids take it out on their parents. Friends can receive the brunt of our frustrations. Complaining about other people or complaining about God to other people is also unhealthy. We should rightly, listen to this, take our complaints to God. I'll say it again. We should rightly take those complaints to the source, the one, God. In Romans chapter 8, verse 36, this is Paul's next verse. It says, just as it is written. So Paul is now referring back to what we in Protestant world uh, refer to as the, New, uh, the Old Testament. And he's referring back to Psalm 44, and he um, And he quotes it. He said, just as it is written, for your sake, and he's speaking about God, for God's sake, we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. So he's quoting Psalm 44. And this is a psalm that was written by someone who was grateful to God for his past deliverances for his people. But the deliverances that had happened for his people were before his lifetime. He lived in a time when he was doing the right thing and they were remembering God, but they were experiencing trial after trial and suffering after suffering, and they were sick of it. And so he feels abandoned by God, and he doesn't hold back his emotions, and he writes this psalm to God. We're going to read the second half of this psalm when the complaining starts, okay? The good stuff, all right? So he goes through the first eight verses, and he's like, God, you're great. You've done these things. That's awesome. And then we see a transition here with the word yet. Yet you, God, you've rejected us. And you've brought us to dishonor. And you don't go out with us or with our armies. You cause us to turn back from the adversary. And those who hate us have taken spoil for themselves. You give us as sheep to be eaten and have scattered us among the nations. You sell your people cheaply and have not profited by their sale. You make us a reproach to our neighbors, a scoffing and a derision to those around us. You make us a byword byword among the nations, a laughingstock among the peoples. All day long, God, my dishonor is before me and my humiliation is has overwhelmed me. Because of the voice of him who reproaches and reviles, because of the presence of the enemy and the avenger. All this has come upon us. But we have not forgotten you, and we have not dealt falsely with your covenant. Our heart has not turned back. Our steps have not deviated from your way. Yet you, God, have crushed us in a place of jackals. And covered us 
with the shadow of death. If we had forgotten the name of God or extended our hands to a strange God, would not God find this out? For he knows the secrets of our heart. But for your sake, and this is what Paul quoted, remember? But for your sake, we are killed all day long. Now, when Paul quotes Psalm 44, he's doing kind of what we do when we say, turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. He's saying, go into the scriptures to Psalm 44. Find the 44th Psalm that you hear me quoting, because I didn't have it sectioned off the same way that we did. And he's, he's quoting it. He's saying, go there. And so he says, but for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Arouse yourself. Why do you sleep, O Lord? Awake, do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our affliction and our oppression? For our soul has sunk down into the dust. Our bodies cleaves to the earth. Rise up and be our help and redeem us for the sake of your loving kindness. And it ends right there. There's no claim of victory. There's no promise that they are going to have a a new season of favor against their enemies. But it ends with an appeal to God to help them for one reason. For the sake of your loving kindness. For the sake of your reputation, God. He's struggling. God, I don't understand. We seem to be doing, we haven't turned away. We, we shouldn't be going through this. So why? Why are we doing this? People were questioning God's love for them. Have you forgotten us? Why would we go through this? What we see from this psalm is that clearly God can handle our complaints. I know that it's, it's difficult at times to think I should go to God and kind of give him the, I, heard, I grew up saying this, give him the what for, right? Does that make sense to a lot of you, some of you? Okay, but that's basically griping him out. It seems wrong, and uh, I, would, I would caution you not to be too, you know, braggadeer with that. Um, braggadeer, no, I, I'm, I'm bad with words tonight. Um, God knows how you're feeling and if you're suppressing your anger towards God then you're hurting your relationship with Him so if you feel in your heart that you want to blast Him don't do it on social media go to Him in prayer I remember I won't tell you all the details uh, because I don't have permission to but I remember I had a, one of my Bibles, and I went through a very difficult time when I was living upstate. And I, it was a very dark time, spiritually. And I felt that God had abandoned me. And I remember taking my Bible, walking into the church, because I lived next to it. And it wasn't this Bible, but it was another one that I happened to have with me. And I got so mad at God uh, because of similar... I felt like He had abandoned me. And I remember swearing at Him... And it was, it was some New York, you'd have been proud of me in New York. It was, it was some real words. And, uh, and I threw that Bible down and I busted it.
and it felt good. But it wasn't much longer after that moments when I realized my anger was displaced. As mad as I was, I was wrong in believing that it was God that I should be mad at because I wasn't understanding that nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. I felt that way. Don't be afraid to go to God with your true, raw emotions. But I want to caution you heavily. Be afraid to go and complain like that to other people, especially if they're impressionable, especially if it's on social media. Because when we start to do that, we take our complaints and our our raw emotions, and instead of taking them to someone who can handle them and handle us, Like, God's not afraid of me. He's not afraid that I threw the Bible down and broke it. He loves me, and He wants to help me through that. But but instead of going to Him who can handle it, we go over to other people, and what we do is we rob ourselves of finding healing through our relationship with God, and we also start to scar those people. And we start to put things onto them because they're not the ones to handle that. But again, it it feels good and it feels right and it feels wrong to to go to God and, and lament and to accuse Him. But if those are the ways you're feeling, God knows you're that way, so go to Him and complain to Him. If we're going around complaining about God and His church and His leaders, we're never going to find healing. But we're never going to find and cause harm to God when we lay down our complaints to Him. That's what He wants us to do. In everything, go to Him in prayer and supplication. The Lord will not only sort out our problems in His time, but He will sort out our hearts. Complaining to others leads to death. Complaining to God leads leads us back to the only one who can truly transform our problems and our hearts. There are power in our words. In last week's devotional for Lent, we were reading about Ezekiel having a vision of a valley full of dry bones, and the Lord told him to speak the word of God over the dry bones, and the Lord would bring life to them. Dead, dried bones. So Ezekiel was faithful, and he spoke the word of the Lord over them, and life came where death had reigned. And in the same way, God calls us to speak the word of God over the dry bones in our lives. We don't see an answer for our problem. But if we keep faith and speak life and victory, God will give us victory over our enemies. So what we do is we call out the life that only God can bring. Emily is the one who wrote that devotional for us, and she challenged us in that devotional to identify dry places in our lives where we say, I've always been this way. That's, that's just, it's a lost cause. That's a dry bone area. And she challenged us to speak life into those places because the word of God is active and living. To speak life. God calls us to speak life into dead places. Isn't that amazing? I said one more thing to the, the guy at Costco. When I left, I got outside, I saw him again. 
And I said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. I didn't actually say anything to him again. That's not exactly what speaking life over it is, but speaking life is saying, instead of admitting the fact that we're defeated, you know what, I don't have power in the situation, but God, you do. And I claim your life, I claim your victory, that you are powerful enough to change any situation in this world. I can't fix this, I can't fix that. There's a lot of terrible things that are happening around the world, but God, as much as it depends upon me, I'm not going to add to the destruction of it. I'm going to speak life over people. And the Holy Spirit empowers the Word of God when we speak it over people. But death rules when we simply complain to others. So stop living a powerless, defeated life of complaining and turn your complaints into worship. When you complain to God, you are worshiping. You are worshiping Him. Even in those horrible moments that you would classify as, I shouldn't have said that to Him, you are worshiping Him because you are turning to Him. Complain to Him and not people. Number three, in all sufferings, we are more than victorious. In all sufferings, we are more than victorious. So sufferings do not have victory over us, as bad as they can be. As bad as they are, the sufferings have already lost. As horrible as people can be to others. This past week, there were uh, a lot of people who were gassed by, um, by chemicals in Syria. Horrible things are happening. Horrible things are happening today in Egypt. Horrible things are happening all over that we just, we're just not aware of. Even as global as the news is, there are things happening that we don't know about. But those acts of hatred are defeated And it is a futile attempt to add hostility and death to the world. But the more we understand that no matter what happens to us and no matter what happens in the world, we are more than conquerors, we are more than victorious, then we are prepared now to to live life in a new, empowering way. Romans chapter 8, verse 37 says this. This is what Paul said. This is the answer. He said, what can separate us from the love of God? He says, but in all these things, remember the list? And remember the fact that, God, we're being punished because of our faith in you? How can you do this? We're like sheep being slaughtered. He says, but even in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer. Another translation says we are more than victorious. We overwhelmingly conquer through Jesus who loves us. Conquer means we have victory. No matter what it is, we have victory that's more than victorious. Through Jesus, we have victory over all suffering. We see and we know the love of God exists because we see the love of Jesus. There were several things that he mentioned in the verse. He mentioned persecution in a couple of different ways. But see, persecution, when we go through it, true persecution. I'm not talking about getting your feelings hurt. Persecution drives the true believer to the arms of the one who knows from experience the full range of suffering. When you go through those things, your only option is to go to Jesus. And your Jesus that you're going to experience the full range, the totality of suffering, unlike anything you and I could possibly face here. Well, what about... No. None of us experience the full wrath of God the way Jesus did. 
He suffered in ways much greater than we can. The famine and nakedness, which is perhaps a metaphor for destitution, they are powerless, powerless to affect the love of Christ. He mentioned danger and sword, possibly the one of the executioner. The executioners in our lives lose their terror in view of the presence of the one in whom we find ultimate safety. I would imagine many of us, if we were in a a situation where a terrorist was threatening our life, it it would affect us greatly. But even in that, we have ultimate safety from Jesus. No matter what we go through, even in the the most horrible of situations, ultimately we have safety through Jesus because somehow, some way, this body is going to stop working. Whether it's from old age at 100 years old and it's just tired, or whether it's tomorrow from a tragedy. Someday it's going to stop. But our hope isn't the fact, our hope is not in that we will have a long life. Our hope is that we have eternal life. Our hope is not that we're, we will look back and, well, you had a great life. You lived to be 89 years old and he's married for 50 years and he had all these kids and grandkids and great-grandkids and even had one great-great-grandkid. That's great. Great-great. But that's not the good news. The good news is that we have eternal life through Christ. That's the great news. That's the gospel that we preach. In all these difficult situations... Paul says, we are winning an overwhelming victory through the one who has proven his love for us. It is the love of Christ that supports and enables the believer to face adversary, and not only to face it, but to conquer it. So Christians, we're not these grim Stoics who manage to make it through somehow. Well, you know, just barely getting by. But we are victors who have found from experience that God is always present in our trials and that the love of Christ will empower us to overcome all obstacles that we face in our lives. That's who we are. That's not weak. That's strong. It's our faith in Christ that connects us to this powerful love. While nothing or no one can take away the love of Christ from us, we can choose to deny and reject His love. In the Scriptures, there was a boy who was dying And the father went to Jesus and he asked him, can you heal my son? He's been possessed by this spirit and it's just convulsions and and, and people tried to pray for him and it didn't work. And can you help him? And in verse, uh, in chapter nine of Mark, the gospel, we'll see it up here, Mark nine, then Jesus responds to him and he asked the father, well, how long has this been happening to him? And, And the father says, from childhood. It has often thrown him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can? You're asking me if, if I, you're saying if you can do this? If you can, all things are possible to him who believes. And the father said this, Immediately, the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. 
But then there's a contrasting statement. Help my unbelief. I do believe, but help my unbelief. I do believe, but help my unbelief. You see, that is a great prayer for us to have today. Jesus, I do believe in you, but there is unbelief in here that I just don't understand. So help me in my unbelief to not doubt my doubts, or to doubt my doubts and not to doubt my uh, faith. If that's indeed the quote. Um, I don't want to doubt the things that I doubt. I want to, gum, that's hard. Stop. I want to doubt my doubts, but I don't want to doubt what I know for a fact. And we know from the gospel that Christ has proven his love for us. He did the ultimate thing for us, and so we have faith in that. Do you have faith in Christ? Do you believe? You must believe in order to partake of salvation and the peace that comes with God. And it's not easy to have faith. In fact, faith is also a gift from God. So my encouragement to you is to ask Him today for that kind of faith that will bring life into a dead world. Not to add to it, but to bring life into a dead world and to speak victory in the midst of suffering. That's the kind of faith we had. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. In Jesus, you have victory. So don't allow the enemy to mislead you into thinking otherwise. You are a victor. You are crowned with righteousness. You are a child of God. And if you don't know Christ... Today is a great day to place your faith in Him. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank You so much for giving us a secure, guaranteed love that is secure because, Jesus, You have guaranteed it with Your life and Your death and Your resurrection. And we know that You are not immune to our suffering. You are not a God who is high and lifted up and removed from our pain, but you are a God who is high and lifted up and has chosen to enter into our suffering and enter into our brokenness and become broken for us so that we can be victorious in the midst of our sufferings. We do yearn, Lord, for the day when your heaven uh, merges with earth and you bring your new kingdom and all death and all pain is gone. But until that day, I pray that you would remind us every moment of every day that we are more than victorious we are more than conquerors and no matter what suffering and no matter what trial we're going through you have caused us to be that way we believe but help us in our unbelief amen